these are your children, God, not mine. <laughs> you, you know, you, but then he did, he did, and the fire died out. Aren't you glad that God can have an intercessor and a person to stand in the gap? The fire died out. And uh, his name, he named that place Tabera, the place of burning. And because the fire of the Lord burned among them. Yikes. Complaining. Complaining. Now, I'm sure right now, if you want to go ahead and give this over to somebody else, this is for nobody here today. Maybe somebody online listening is for you, but Oak Grove does not complain. We are, and we don't complain. Uh, so it's not for us. Uh, but there is a New Testament, so maybe we are included. There is a New Testament, a parallel verse to the Old Testament, Numbers 11. And it is in uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 6 through 11. Now, these things I just talked about, the warnings and admonitions took place as examples for us. So, so we are learning from the, the children of Israel, right? Are you with me? So that we would not crave evil things as they did. Do not be worshipers of handmade gods as some of them were, just as, as it is written in the scriptures. The people sat down to eat and drink after sacrificing to the golden calf at Horeb and stood up to play, indulging in immoral activities. We must not indulge in nor tolerate Aren't you glad it added that, nor tolerate sexual immorality as some of them did? And 23,000 suddenly fell dead in a single day. Where was Aaron when you needed him? We must not tempt the Lord. That is, that is, in case you don't know what that is, that is, test his patience, question his purpose, or exploit, exploit his goodness as some of them did as they were killed by serpents, or some versions say destroyed by the destroyer. And do not murmur in unwarranted discontent, as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. There it is. Now, these things happened to them as an example, a warning to us. They were written for our instruction to admonish and equip us upon whom the end of the ages have come. In case you wondered who this was for, how many know we're at the end of the age? Anybody believe Jesus is coming pretty soon? So this is the example. The Corinthians, is, uh, he was talking to the Corinthian church, but we are the New Testament church. The end of the age is still going on. So so Paul is saying, hey, y'all, this is uh, what happened to them. Don't let it happen to us. So complaining, we don't want that. We don't want that. So I wrote you a song. I should have kept Taylor up here. You could have picked it and I could have sang it. And I can put a twang to it. Quit your constant complaining. It can rob you of your faith. Quit your belly aching, whining. God seems to hate. Satan wants to rob your joy and steal your hope away. So stop the murmur, murmuring each and every day. Come on now. That's a good song. That's a good song. Yeah, that's a good song. Thank you, uh, Taylor. Help us put some music to it. I can, I think that'll go, that'll go over big. So in the, so in the last weeks, we discovered Satan was unique. He has weapons against us to keep us from growing in Christ and walking in victory. Um, we talked about offenses, how we can be offended in the last days, distractions two weeks ago. Today it's an attitude we all have dealt with and that is complaining. Complaining robs our faith by allowing do- doubt to dominate our mindset. 
It's in the mind. It's a seed that's planted in the mind. The battle is to keep uh, our faith. Uh, and Satan always is at war with weapons of fear and doubt. And sometimes we let him off the hook by allowing ourselves to be entrapped by the spirit of complaining. Like he don't even have to try because innate, innate in us uh, by nature, we complain. All of us have. And so a major tool Satan uses to destroy our faith, murmuring, murmuring and complaining. And he uses this stronghold against us. The Israelites give us a great example, a lesson here as we see them in the wilderness journey. God uh, delivers them. He delivers them. How many glad to be delivered from sin and Egypt and uh, slavery? How many glad that Jesus wiped the slate clean, paid for your debt, canceled your problems and your debt, healed you, forgave you, saved you? Is anybody glad to be saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost? Out of Egypt. Now he has to get Egypt out of them. So from the time they came out of slavery in Egypt, they complained the whole way every situation they came to every test they faced they had one response constantly complaining constantly lord help us and the result was a heart of unbelief they kept them from the land of promise they developed a hard heart of unbelief a couple of verses you know we read um man that that we become like those who complain of adversity in hearing in the hearing of the lord the Lord hears it. Just to tell you right now, the Lord hears our complaining. Not only does the Lord hear it, I mean, oh, we hear it. Not only do we hear it because a complaining spirit usually likes to complain to somebody else. It's nice to have somebody to complain to. And so just to give you a, a let it up, let it up a little bit. So you, some of you are getting uncomfortable already. All of us have complained from time to time. Let me see your hand if you have. All right. Some of you are lying. If you didn't raise your hand, we've all complained. So I'm not talking about uh, just a complaint. We all, if you live in America, how many of you might have a complaint or two right now? But I'm talking about a spirit, a spirit of complaining. I'm talking about something that goes a little deeper than the average wine. Uh, before we define complaining, let me say we all have complaints and we confront each other and it's not pleasant. If a person enjoys confrontation or a constant state of never happy, how many know something's wrong? It's a deeper level of complaining. Some people are addicted to conflict and they love to fight and always be at war, always instigating, aggravating, agitating, always upset with somebody or something. And the problem is they can't seem to keep it to themselves, always stirring other people up. And uh, and so it goes a little deeper, sowing a destructive seed that gives birth to a gigantic tree complaining. If you're not, if you're not fighting against that spirit, I mean, no, it can overtake you. Satan can use it. Are y'all hearing me? Satan can use this thing. Complaining is an enemy of healthy relationships. It can really get you. And uh, you say it's just small personality issue, pastor. It's not a big deal. Well, the apostle Paul disagrees says it blinds us to all the ways that God has graced us and blessed us. Amen? And it spreads. It's contagious. The complaining spirit is contagious. Man, it'll just take off and uh, everybody around you and everybody you know. And uh, it affects it affects our families and our churches and our organizations. And our words impact our hearts. 
Life and death are in the power of the tongue. Your words matter. It does matter what you say. It matters who you say it to. Because if nobody else is around, you're just complaining by yourself, then you hear yourself. If faith comes by hearing, so does doubt. So I'm, I'm not talking about going to God in your prayer closet and talking to God. We've, Melissa and I have complained to the Lord before, and he's come through in some powerful ways. I mean, no, the Lord hears your complaint. Habakkuk complained to the Lord. The Lord heard his complaint. So we're not talking about uh, just talking to God and burdens that we have or whatnot. We're talking about something that the enemy uses against us to hinder our growth and help and hinder us from walking in victory. So the more you complain, the more normal it seems. But the reverse is true. The less you complain, the better off you'll be. Amen? You wonder why uh, you're not going anywhere. It's because you're wandering around in the wilderness with a complaining spirit. It's hard to get the victory. It's hard to get out of a cycle, a vicious, a vicious cycle. And the Israelites complain, 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 murmur, 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 murmur. It's so, it's so agitating, aggravating, so awful that it's the three letters, a syllable that's repeated, murmur, murmur, murmur. It's murmuring. And so uh, it destroys us. Satan uses things against God's people to destroy their faith in Jesus. The battle is for your faith. Can I tell you what the battle's for? It's for your faith. So complaining is going after your, your spirit of faith. You understand? It's going after, it's trying to cause you to have doubt, unbelief. See? So, so that's what we're dealing with today. And you say, Pastor, why should we allow, uh, the enemy to do this? We should not. We let Satan off the hook by our personal addiction with the habit of complaining and we feed our flesh and we starve our spirit. I'm saying we need to feed our spirit and starve our flesh. It really is a battle. It is a battle. It starts in the mind. You think complaining thoughts. Then you say complaining words. And then you actually mope around and wander around aimlessly. It's a bad deal. So one of the greatest traps for Israel in the wilderness was the complaint trap. And they murmured over their present position. They were just not happy. And it didn't look like they were going to get happy. So the Lord was with them, cloud by day and a fire by night. I mean, no, that's the goodness of the Lord. The first thing is that he was with them. He was personally, positionally with them. I mean, no, there's nothing to complain about if the Lord's with you. A cloud by day and a fire by night. And on the other side of the fire was the enemy. So the presence of God withheld the enemy from just invading them and taking them before they ever got to the Red Sea. How many know the Lord is good? And he's protector and a provider. But a complaining spirit comes in. And Mark, it kind of just hinders you from seeing the goodness of the Lord, the provision of the Lord. So the Lord gives them fire by day. Uh, I mean, cloud by day to protect them from the sun, fire by night, not only to hold the enemy back, but to give them warmth in the desert. He's with them. He's with them. Didn't he say, I would be with you? Because Moses said, if you're not with me, I'm not even going. But the Lord is faithful. Can somebody shout amen to that? I mean, he is with them. Then they got hungry. So he said, I'll give you, I'll give you some food. And manna came falling out of heaven. How many know Jesus is the bread of heaven? God provided bread every day, fresh bread. 
manna from heaven every day. He gave them a command, pick enough for that day. I mean, oh, just enough for day. Worry about today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't pick up some for tomorrow. That'll rot. You just get through today. How many know the Lord's faithful today? Because Satan will try to tell you the Lord's no good and your future's no good. And you can just whine and gripe and complain all the time. And that's what they did. Manna for breakfast, manna for lunch, and manna for dinner. Manna for snack, manna bread, banana bread. I mean, everything they ate had to be manna. A little wafer that fell out of the sky that filled their belly, took care of their hunger issue. I mean, the Lord said he'd meet your need, not all your wants. So he met their need, but it wasn't sufficient. And uh, they griped about it. And uh, now they, they wanted meat. We need meat now. So, so, so they go to the leader, Moses, and they complain to Moses about meat. Moses is really distraught. You can read the rest of it in Numbers 11. He said, Lord, you know, these are your people. These are your people. These are not my people. <laughs> oh, Pastor Moses, we feel you. These are not my people. These are your people, Lord. And I think I'd just like to die. Would you just take me now, God? Moses said, you go read it. I just want to die, these people. And uh, and the Lord heard it. Moses heard it. He's in the position to hear the gripes and the complaints. That's pastoral ministries 101. And, uh, and then Moses heard it. The Lord heard it. But when the Lord heard it, the Lord hears everything we say. And if we're not careful, they murmured over their present position and they lost their future promise. I'm going to say that again. They, they, they complained over their present position and they lost their future promise. The Lord never said they would die in the wilderness. But what did they say over and over again? You brought us out here to die in the wilderness. We're going to die in this wilderness. We're going to die in this hot desert. No, we're going to die. My stomach hurts. All I'm eating is manna, 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 manna. I don't want any more manna. I had manna yesterday. I had day before I had manna. We need meat. That's what we need. We need meat. How I many know oh, you don't even know what you need? How I many know oh, only God knows what you need? That bread sustained them. It kept them. The Lord would have thought they'd have needed meat. He gave them meat. But he said, you want meat? I'll give you meat. Boy, you don't want to mess with God. How I many know oh, God is bad to the bone? God is bad to the bone. He said, and the wind of God blew and they quails started flying through the desert and they had dead quail up to their chin. They had more meat than they knew what to do with. But the complaining spirit got in them. So they forfeited the promise. I want you to hear me. If we're not careful, we too can be given a promise that can be forfeited because of a spirit of complaining. So I say, I say today, let's wage warfare on a complaining spirit. What do you say? So what is complaining, Pastor? It's defined as uh, the repeated voicing. Uh, well, it is an enemy to the believer because it robs you of your faith and allows do- uh, doubt to dominate. And, uh, and the result was a hardened heart of unbelief. So we all complain. We know that. But it's addictive in nature. It can cause you have a destructive seed that can come and poison your mind. So they murmured over the present position until they lost their future promise. It is a repeated voicing of your dissatisfaction over the situation that God has placed you in. Sovereign God placed them there, and they're not happy about it. Have you ever been there? Don't raise your hand. 
Okay, I'm just trying to help you. So, so where does a complaining spirit come from? Well, number one, or, or just a few things up there, self-pity. How many have ever had a pity party? How many invited friends over to your pity party? <laughs> I am not the only one. That's good. Self-pity, self-pity. Trouble comes to all of us. How many know trouble comes to every family? Let me say it again. We all have issues and troubles to deal with. There's no family that doesn't have to face some hardship of some sort. All of us have troubles. We all face adversity. We all face issues. We all face problems. None of us are perfect. So we, so we have self-pity. And, and, uh, and because of that, um, we tend to sit and soak and sour over all of it. We, we lick our wounds and feel sorry for ourselves and we repeat all of our woes, uh, not only in our own ears, but to whoever else will listen. A claim, a complaining spirit will cling to somebody who wants to hear about it. And they'll give you some of theirs. It's almost a competition. Well, you think you're bad. Let me tell you about my problem. You know, all of a sudden you have a major party and everybody's pity. And secondly, it's a desire for sympathy. We repeat to anybody who have hope. We have hope will come and pat us and say, Oh, you poor baby. We, we think it, it makes you feel better. You know, I, I know you're all right. I'm all right. And, and we want to be coddled and we want to be cuddled. But how many know Father God does not like a complaining spirit? And so it may, uh, for a temporary fix, help you to get in a party, but, but it never removes the problem. I mean, no, we got to kill the seed. And sometimes complaining stems from anger or bitterness, but ultimately it comes from a heart of unbelief. Ultimately, at the end of the day, that spirit will drive you away from your faith. Because I don't think that Satan can take our faith. How I many know oh, God gave us salvation and Satan can't take it? So what he does is he renders you hopeless and there's no way out and you're never going to make it until you give up and throw in the towel. That's what he wants us to do. Just to give up and, and not believe. Don't believe God can heal me. Don't believe God can fill me. I don't believe God's going to help me. So you pray and you still have the problem. So we get angry with God and we certainly wouldn't tell him that. So we tell other people. We find anybody else to tell and they repeat it over and over and over. And over and over and over and over and over and over to whoever will hear it. But ultimately, it comes from a heart of unbelief. So you might want to write this down. Uh, remember it. Complaints never come from a heart of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The word of God never said that they would die in the wilderness. God never said they would die in the wilderness. Did he? Yet they repeated it over and again. You brought us out here to die. And when complaining starts, unbelief begins. So faith and hope slowly disappear. Satan attacks our hope and hopes that we throw away our faith. So like every other weapon that we face or seem to uh, mention lately, it seemingly is not bad. There's nothing wrong with being offended. It's not that big of a deal. It's not much deal uh, dealing with distractions. We can get that together. What's what's being a complaint every now and then? What's wrong with that? It's a little small thing. I mean, oh, the little bitty seed does grow. Seeds grow. Are you hearing me today? And so, complaining. In fact, for some of us, complaining is our favorite pastime. We can get into a bad habit of complaining. We get together and actually swap stories and, yeah, well, top this, blah, 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 blah. And together you have your own party and we think it's okay. It's normal. It's not. I said it's not. So God hates it and he doesn't take it lightly. Hebrews chapter 3. God warns us 
Do not harden your hearts. Do not harden your hearts as those who provoke me, provoke me in the wilderness, in the day of trial in the wilderness. So you understand, Satan uses your trial against you. It's, it's troubles that come. And Jesus even prophesied, in this world you should have trouble, but be of good cheer. You see that? Be of good cheer. That's his re- remedy. I have overcome the world. But, but in the day of trial in the wilderness, take care, brethren. Now, who's he talking to? He's talking to the church. Take care, brethren, lest there should be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. So complaining, hardened heart, leads to an unbelieving, evil, unbelieving heart. Philippians 2, 14 to 16. Do all things without murmuring or complaining. Why? So that you might be blameless, harmless, not perfect, blameless, harmless, sons of God, without rebuke, in the middle of a crooked and perverted nation, truly generation. I just put nation. I mean, no, our nation is in the middle of crooked and perverted corruption. And it's easy to look at our nation and complain and, and, uh, man, and we're never going to make it. How many know the devil is a liar? How many know God has the last say over America? We can throw in the towel. We can give up. But this, this nation is not run by a party. It's run by a God. And he wants to take his hands off of it. He can. If he wants to put his hands on it, he can. I mean, no, he's still sovereign God. So we're dealing with it. So we might be blameless, harm, harmless, sons of God. That, that took me back. I thought we were already Christians. We're already Christians. What, what's he talking about? Sons of God. Re, uh, with, you know, uh, uh, without rebuke in the middle of a crooked and perverted generation, among whom you shine like lights in the world, holding forth the word of life. We'll deal with that in a little, little bit. So why is complaining such a big deal? Number one, it robs you of your vision for a hopeful future. I mean, God never told them they would die. God actually said, I have a promise for you. I'm going to get you to the land of promise. You are my people. I mean, no, God cares about us. And so God hates when we complain and, and, uh, and, and, and it, and it all, it's awful because he knows the end result is an unbelieving evil heart. And we're supposed to be sons of God in a wicked generation. So the sons of God in a wicked generation, we're supposed to be lights in a dark world. But when we're complaining all the time, remember what Israel said? We want a king. We want a king like all the other nations of the world. Remember, they always, just always, always, never content or satisfied with anything God. They had a theocracy. God was their king. How many know God could take care of them? Yet it wasn't enough. We want to be like all the other nations of the world. Wasn't that a great idea? Can I just tell you, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks? If Pastor Ron can learn one thing, it is that he ought to shut his big mouth. Any of you have that problem? Don't You don't have to say amen. I already know you do. And so it's important that you see this because holding faith in the word of life, we need to be speaking life. Paul says that I might rejoice in the day of Christ, that I might, that I didn't run in vain, neither labored in vain. In other words, I didn't waste my time investing time with you. You get it. You get it. We're not supposed to have a complaining spirit. We're supposed to be a faith-filled people of God. Amen? So it hinders our vision for a hopeful future. Remember what it says about how Jesus went to the cross? Did he go to the cross complaining? 
Why me, God? Why did you choose me? I'm your only son. I'm your son. You're making me go to the cross. I don't want to die for these wicked people. You're making me go to die for these. No, no. He kneeled on his, on his knees in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he said, this is, this is hard. If there's any way to let this cup pass from me, nevertheless, your will be done. Sweating big drops of blood, right? He didn't whine about it. He didn't cry about it. He, he knew his purpose. He knew the plan that God had fixed his eyes on the results, the outcome. It says, for the joy, Hebrews said, for the joy set before him. What did he do? He endured the cross, despised the shame, and now is seated at the right hand of the Lord. So that was the purpose behind the pain. Can I just help you here? There's a purpose behind your pain. That's the lesson. If we miss the lesson by complaining and developing an attitude of unbelief, we may miss the promise. There's a purpose behind the pain. It was for you and for me. Is anybody here glad Jesus went to the cross? It was for his father. It was for you and for me. He gave his life. Nobody took his life. He gave it away so we could be saved. Somebody ought to be shouting. He didn't complain all the way to the cross. He rejoiced on the way to the cross in his heart. So we never complain in the desert when our eyes are set on the promise. We only complain in the desert when our eyes are set on the desert. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's why the, that's why in our teaching and the series, we're saying the mindset is important. Set your mind on things above, not on things beneath. If you look at the problem and the desert and the heat, and all you got is manna, and now all you got is meat, and the waters are bitter, and now, you know, the enemy's behind me, and the Red Sea's in front of me. I can't never seem to get a break. If that's the attitude, then you'll always have a struggle. But how many know there's victory in Jesus? We never complain when our eyes are on the Lord. Amen? Come on, church. I'm bound for the promised land. Jesus is coming. I said Jesus is coming. And so, quit the belly aching. It's, just, it's an old song. I'm bound for the promised land. You know that one? It is sweet to know as I onward go. Y'all don't know that one. That's all right. I don't know where you're going, but I'm getting ready to go to heaven. Why are we complaining for? I said, we're not getting ready for a funeral. We're getting ready for the wedding supper. Amen. So what happens? Satan tells us there's no way out of the wilderness your desert place is hot and terrible and look what god's done to you sure he told paul look at you paul on bonds in bonds and chains and you're the gospel preacher <laughs> look at your jesus what he tell what he tell job hey job look at your god you're a righteous man he took everything you ever had what kind of a god do you serve job and satan plays that against us is anybody hearing me today so there's no hope and there's no way out but God. And God says, follow me and I will lead you through the desert. Amen. To the promises that I told you, you let your, you get your eyes off the giants and put them on the grapes. Ten spies went in to spy out the land. Joshua and Caleb came out with a positive report. Eight of them came out with a negative report. And who did the Israelites believe? Of course. Bunch of negative termites. Well, these giants, these giants will never be able to possess the land. The giants and Joshua and Caleb yell, but the grapes are greater than the giants. 
How many know God's got a harvest and a promise for you and for me that we shouldn't be sitting around comparing the, the, the great, the giants. We should be looking at the harvest that God has for us. And it'll help you have faith and not doubts. So you get to choose. You're going to agree with uh, Caleb and Joshua or you're going to agree with the eight negative termites. And they chose to believe the other ones. And for that reason, they didn't get to go in. Did you hear me? It's a dangerous thing to give up. Your future could be cut off forever. You can have faith and uh, believe or you can doubt and never go into the promise of God. It's a dangerous thing to have a complaining spirit. It's a dangerous thing to give up. How many made up your mind you're going to make it all the way? Come on, let me see your hand. There you go. The second thing, not only would rob you of your future, but it creates an attitude and an atmosphere of doubt. Not only an attitude of doubt, but an atmosphere of doubt. I mean, everybody around you is hearing it. Everybody's complaining. Now everybody's complaining. You know, when they went to Joshua, about to take the walls of Jericho, take the city of Jericho, and God gives instructions to Joshua. Joshua says to the people, hey, we're going to march around Jericho seven days. Seven times, uh, seven days, the last time, seven times on the last day, we're going to shout and the Lord's going to give us the victory. Are y'all hearing me? Can you imagine the Israelites camped out outside of Jericho and going in their tent at night and saying things such as, Pastor Joshua has lost his mind. I mean, did you walk today? It's hot out here, and he wants us to walk around the walls, and and they're taunting us and mocking us and laughing at us. We're just sitting ducks. He could kill us. What kind of a plan, what kind of a commander, what kind of a leader is Joshua? Only in their tent. Nobody else is hearing it. And none of you have ever done that. But that's what an attitude of complaining can be. You doubt your God. You doubt his goodness for your present situation. Not only does complaining hinder your future, it also doubts God's goodness in the present. So what are you saying to God? You're saying, I don't like, I don't like the plan you have for me, God. I know you mapped out a plan. Jeremiah said, God said, hey, I have a plan for your life, right? Plans for what? Good and not for evil. Are you hearing that? I have a plan for you, says the Lord, a plan that's good and not for evil. But the enemy tries to convince us, make us think, turn around, make it evil and not for good. That's what he did for Adam and Eve. Half God said, God wants you to have all these other trees. Why is God holding that tree from you? Adam and Eve, what's wrong with the God that won't let you have that tree? I want that tree. I mean, we usually want what we can't have. Like little babies. And so, immaturity is a complaining attitude. And um, not only does complaining hinder the past or the future, it, it, it hinders the present. And you're just really uh, forgetting Romans 8.28, that God has a purpose and a plan and a map and a design for our life. Amen? And we can trust him in all things on the route. All things work together for the good to those that love the Lord. Amen? And are called according to his purpose, his purpose, his way. And so all things, even the not-so-fun days. Anybody ever have a bad day? Anybody have a bad day? 
I mean, any, it seems like when you have a bad day, it starts off bad and the thing doesn't stop until the week is over. Sometimes it extends to a month. How many ever have a bad month? Anybody here have a bad life? It can feel that way. Those bad days are designed by God to walk together for your good. Amen? And work it out. The steps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. But when you complain, you're saying to God, I don't like this. I didn't sign up for this. I don't want to go through this. I don't like this manna, manna every day, all day. Sick of it. I need meat. We had it better. Listen to what they said, okay? Listen online. Maybe you're listening better. They said we had it better in Egypt. At least we had leeks and onions and vegetables and fish. Out here in the desert with God, all we have is manna. I'd rather go back into slavery. Take me back to Egypt. That's what they said. How many know that's a bad, that's a warped mindset right there? Complaining. I don't think God's good right now to me. You're not doing a good job this year, God, in my life. Complaining is accusing God of not having a good plan for your life. And that's Satan's attack to convince you God is not as good as you thought he was. Don't allow it. How many know we need to fight back? Because if you don't, number three is going to happen. It it creates a seed of unbelief that grows deeper as we continue to complain. It's a seed of unbelief that grows deeper as we complain. So it starts off a little thing, Josiah, just a little thing. It's a little small thing. And and all of us have a tendency to whine and we let it go. How many know you got to kill that seed? So all the whiners and complainers, listen to me. It's okay. All of us complain from time to time. Listen to the pastor. Kill the seed. If you don't kill the seed, it will grow, which grows into a complaining spirit. And a complaining spirit will ultimately destroy your destiny and the promise of God in your life. So unbelief is like a seed, just like a seed of faith. If you uh, water it, how many know your faith will grow? That's the same thing with a seed of doubt. If you water the seed of doubt, it's going to grow, right? And every time you complain, you water that seed, unbelief and doubt. And when you open your mouth to complain over and over, you open yourself up to be flooded by unbelief. Complaint will kill your faith and you can lose the battle. Don't give in to a kill, kill the spirit. Don't give in to a complaining spirit. Kill the seed. And if you say how, well, I say the best way to walk in faith is to keep your victory and shut your mouth. Oh, maybe y'all didn't get it. Do I need to say it in King James? Quit your belly aching because your ears are hearing what your mouth is saying. Let me speak to those online. (laughs) Your ears are hearing what your mouth is saying. So faith comes by hearing. Your ears are hearing what your mouth is saying. Doubt comes by hearing. Your ears are hearing what your mouth is saying. Are you seeing what I'm saying? And so faith comes by hearing. So does doubt. So shut up and stop complaining. Shut up the complaining spirit by keeping the thought, uh, killing the thought before it, before it opens up the mouth. How many times a day do we need to do that? Kill the thought before it opens up the mouth. Anybody ever put your foot in your mouth? You know why? Pretty soon you like the taste of a foot. Number four is the one that got me the most. If it continues, it can fulfill your own prophecy. 
Max, this one got me, bro. I'll stop right here and probably stop right here. I mean, this one got me. The greater the adversity you think you're, you know, it can cause you greater adversity than you thought you already have. It can get worse, you know. I said it can get worse, you know. It starts, it starts with a little seed, but the cycle grows, and, it, and the cycle of unbelief grows, and it can get worse. So you have a problem, and you start complaining, and the, and the results seem like more problems. And the unbelief continues until you begin to believe that you are cursed and not blessed. And you exchange the truth of God for Satan's lie. And I want you to look at this from the word. What was Israel's complaint in the wilderness? Over and again, they, they proclaimed, look at this, we are going to die in this wilderness. Now, let me ask you, church, did God tell them they were going to die? Did he? No, no, he didn't. So what was God's promise? To get them to the promised land, right? And over again, they said, with their mouth, you brought us out here to die. Look what God finally says to them in Numbers 14, 27 through 29. I don't know if I put Numbers 14 on there. I don't know if I did. Oh, I did. Look at this. Oh, my. It, 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 it just it startles me. It startles me. God said, I heard your complaints. So say to them, Moses, Pastor Ron, you say to them. Just as you have spoken, so shall I surely do to you. Your corpse shall surely fall in the wilderness. They said it so many times, Jess. The Lord said something like, you ask for it, you got it, Toyota. You want it? You want it? You think it's bad? Yeah, you think it's bad? I'll give it to you. You will die in this wilderness. Tell them, tell them, Moses. That's, that's, that's just... It just startled me. Just as you have spoken. They said that. God never said that. They prophesied their own doom. Wow. There it is. Life and death in the power of the tongue. Quit cursing yourself with complaints. How many know God's plan is better than your complaint? God had a better plan than their complaining. So the pastor, what do I do, pastor? Well. Can I just shout it? There is an alternative to complaining. Can we get to the good news and go home? How many know that Isaiah 61 said, you can take off the spirit of heaviness and put on a garment of praise. You can trade in a complaining spirit for a praising spirit. You can take doubt out and put faith back in. Life and death are in the power of your tongue. You can do this. How many know there is a remedy? I said, there is an answer. There is an alternative. You have a choice. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Lift up your voice to God. Praise in the spirit and with understanding. Amen. Magnify God in your desert place. Look to the Lord. How many know the Lord is my help in a present trial? So this is the choice, you know. Just like distractions, just like offense, you can choose to put on praise in any situation. So Paul was in the Philippian jail. They beat him with rods 39 times. One more time, it would have been death. They, they shredded his back. And then for torture, they laid him on that floor, on his back, on his back, all night long, in stocks, in stocks and chains. And he whispers over to uh, his, his compadre, you feel a song on your heart, brother? 
I mean, you don't feel like singing much when your back is shredded to pieces and you're laying on a hard cement cold dungeon floor. But not Paul. I mean, oh, Paul exchanged the truth of God for a lie that Satan was saying. And he began to worship the Lord. Amen. I don't know if you do any worshiping and praising, but how many know in the middle of your crazy day, in your nightmare life, how many know you can put on some worship and God will meet you? Worship will change your environment. It will change your atmosphere. It will change your mindset and your attitude. How many can feel like you're getting a praise on right now? I wish somebody give the Lord a praise and change the situation in the hot desert. How would you respond? See, it was not even legal to beat a citizen. He was a citizen, and yet he was beaten like that. He could complain, oh, you beat me. I'm a citizen. You beat me. I'm a Republican, and you're treating me bad. <laughs> My Lord. How I many know the, a pagan heathen king is never going to treat you good? Well, you even expect that is crazy. You got to believe God is your king. Amen. He may be a citizen of Rome, but he's also a citizen of heaven. How many know God Almighty is going to take care of you? And that's what happened. The theocracy of heaven was trying to take care of him, but they couldn't let him do his thing. He wouldn't, he wasn't good enough. He wasn't enough for them. How would you have felt? Do you feel like singing in a prison? Paul chose to put on the garment of praise. And uh, so praise is actually a shield against an unbelieving heart. It guards against complaining spirit. And you got to make a trade. If is, is if praise is coming out of your mouth, how many know there's no room for complaining? It's a choice. It's just that simple. And so, Pastor, what do I have to praise God for in the in the middle of this hot desert? You don't know my life. You don't know what I'm going through. If you were going through what I was going through, you'd be whining too. Hmm. Well. Let me see if I can give you something to praise God for before they come back. Anybody know there's something to praise God for? How many found out there's something to praise God for? Your murmuring is the devil's music. How many know we need to sing a new song unto the Lord? Somehow we have to learn how to sing out to God with a voice of triumph that Tori was talking about. We need to sing a new song to the Lord, a song of praise. How about a song of thanksgiving? Paul in that prison was saying, I've been poured out like a drink offering. Mark, a drink offering was what they did after the burn offering. They would take wine and they'd pour it on top of the burn offering. It's like icing on the cake. It's like the rest of it so that God can smell the sweet smell of the wine that's going before the nostrils of God. He's saying, God, the enemy didn't take my life. I gave it up for you. That's what Jesus was saying. I'm in control. The devil's not in control. You got to learn how to sing a new song. Amen. You got to find a song. We take so much for granted. Forget to praise God until we don't have it anymore. Praise the Lord for the breath you got in you. We buried yesterday Elizabeth's father, 48 years old. How about we be thankful that we have breath? 48. There are people today who don't have no shoes. You can be thankful for the shoes you wore to church. I think might have a hole in them or two. How many know you still have them? Be glad you got feet. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? We just take God's grace for granted till, till we lose it. Martha Tennyson speaks of losing her son in the tragic bus wreck in Kentucky. Y'all remember her testimony. 
She tells how her husband and her son would come into the house after she mopped those beautiful floors and they'd come in their muddy boots from hunting and she would complain all the time. But after she lost her son in the bus, she said they could come to my house and put mud on my floors any day if they want to. Oh, how we miss those muddy boots. Are y'all hearing me? She said, oh, how I miss those muddy boots. But as a mother who want to keep her house clean, prioritized a house, clean floor over uh, a husband and a, and, a, and a son. When he was taken away, she said, oh, I don't care about these floors anymore. If he was here, he could mess up my floor anytime he wants to. You got to learn how to praise God for his goodness. Praise is coming out of your mouth. There's no room for complaining, right? Some say what I have to do. I have to praise God for I have all kinds of things, right? Let the praises of my mouth and the words of my lips be pleasing in your sight, O oh God. Praise God for his goodness, his goodness. How many say God's been good to you? God, let me back up. Max, you might want to get that last one. Ask God for a new song. I appreciate people taking notes. It means that what I got to say, they value. Oh, man, I was bad. Okay, let's go on. Let's take time to praise God for his goodness. When I think of his goodness and all he's done for me, I just want to shout. Amen? Learning how to praise God for his goodness. Even in the desert, you can find a blessing to praise God for. Why God gave them bread from heaven. He Every day, their, their shoes never wore out in 40 years. Let me tell you, that's big to me. I'm rough on shoes. Pastor Ron goes through shoes. Oh, man, I mean, walking to the hospital, walking on asphalt, I'll tear up a pair of shoes faster than you can blink an eye. I go through shoes. You know what I thank God for, Oak Grove? Let's just do it together. I thank the Lord that he's kept our air conditioned working for over 60 years. Would you go ahead and give God praise? You know how much one of them units out there costs? Oh, you should give him a real praise. You should give him a real praise. Oh, it's hot in here. That thing ain't blowing hot enough. It's not, we only have one left. Hey, they've been gone for 40 years. We ought to be saying, thank God we still have air in the middle of August. I know we're in the first of October, but still. Quit focusing on what you don't have and start praising God for what you have left. What did they have? They had a kind of glory of God leading them every day. They had the goodness of God. It was not cut off from them in the desert. Get your eyes off your discomfort and start finding satisfaction in the presence of the Lord. Yes, yes, yes. A man who decided to join a monastery and become a monk had to take a vow of silence. I love this story. (laughs) At the end of each year, he was allowed to appear before the abbot, that's the leader, and say two words. Every year, two two words. After being silent for an entire year, he finally was able to speak. And so he said, when they said, what do you got to say? He said, bed hard. Another year went by, and he appeared before the abbot again. What would you like to say, the abbot asked. He said, food cold, the man answered. Another year went by, and the man appeared before the abbot again. And as before, the abbot asked him, what do you have to say? I quit, he said. To the abbot replied, no wonder all you did for all your life here was complain. Six words. It was funny when I read it, and maybe it wasn't funny when you read it. (laughs) Y'all ready to quit, I know. Go home and complain how long it took to do this. Learn to praise God for his presence. How about that? 
Learn to praise God for the outcome. Promise is immediate. The plan takes some time. But it's the perspective that messes us up. If we don't get a godly perspective, an eternal perspective, we can lose heart. We can lose the promise. So get rid of a complaining spirit by trusting God and his goodness more with the present. Trust the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? Trust the Lord. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. And how many believe he'll take care of the rest? Acknowledge God's sovereignty. Acknowledge God's sovereignty. His ways are sovereign. They're above my ways. I know that time, the timing of God is impeccable. Boy, he missed a lot of time to be early, but he's never been late. Uh, That's the waiting that causes us problems. Learn contentment with God's provisions. The Bible says godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out. But if we have food and clothing, clothing, something, uh, I, I looked up, clothing. If we have food and clothing, we should be content with the clothing and the food. Clothing can be also covering. I mean, we should be content with the covering of the blood of Jesus in our life. I mean, we ought to be content with just being saved. I mean, if he never did another thing besides save us, how many know that's good enough to praise him for? Pulling us out of bondage. And so in a culture that says you need this and you need that, you need the next item and you don't, you need the greatest and you need the best and you need a faster card, a better card, another phone and another watch and another, you need everything, everything. How many know every time you look at a commercial, you need something new? Let me ask you, is God really? Is God really enough? Thanksgiving's coming pretty soon. I mean, oh, we better get a heart of thankfulness and contentment. Is God enough? Like Adam and Eve, you will spend your time looking at the one thing you couldn't have when all the while God gave you every tree in the garden. So Paul says, so that you may become children of God without fault in a perverted culture. He means, he means, that we'll become who we say we are. We must be. Uh, we must understand that who we are in position must become who we are in practice. I mean, oh, if we are the church in position, we ought to be the church in practice. The churches shouldn't have. The church shouldn't have a complaining spirit. I wish somebody helped me preach today. So I want Tori and the team to come back. Be imitators of God as dear children. It's a crooked and perverted culture. Crooked is from the word scolios. Scolio, scoliosis, curvature of the spine, uh, uncurved, bent, uh, curved, twisted, scoliosis. Anything that deviates from the standards of the norm, scolios. We should be shining as stars, lights in the dark world. We draw people to Christ by our spirit, by our attitude, by our behaviors. And what world uh, would happen, uh, what would happen if if at your workplace, if, if, if everybody had, uh, a sweet praising spirit and not a an encouraging spirit and not a a complaining spirit. What would happen in our church in our families if everybody had a an encouraging spirit and not a complaining spirit? And um, if everybody stopped complaining, what would it be like? I'm finished, but I don't think God is. So I want you to stand with us today as we come back.